but at the heart of it is really you, you come to work and you build businesses with people that you like and, and, and you get the most residents out of that. So yeah, I think you do want to spend time with, um, you know, you, know, you want to you wanna hire people that you ultimately like. Welcome to the Mass Starts Up podcast. My name is Michelle Wudar. This is a podcast for Africa's opportunity seekers, problem solvers, future shapers, world builders, and entrepreneurs. This podcast is meant to be a platform to encourage, empower, and educate young people in Africa on entrepreneurship, startups, and business. Welcome to a new episode of the Mass Startup Podcast. Thank you so much for engaging. Thank you so much for listening. Um, our podcast got way higher into the sort of Apple podcast chart than we've ever thought it could. Um, it's been interesting to create content um, that is focused on value, focused on really trying to get to the bare bones of what entrepreneurship um, takes, um, what startups are doing, um, what small businesses need to be doing, and everything that it takes to really become an entrepreneur and navigate this time that we're in as well. So for today's episode, we've got Joshin. Um, who is an African entrepreneur in the media, marketing, and technology sectors. And he has a really, really fascinating background um, that includes, you know, entrepreneurship development, um, a lot of tech, um, and so much more. But I don't think I'm going to be able to summarize his entire LinkedIn profile in this introduction. Um, gladly uh, or happily, he's on the line so we can actually chat to him about it. Um, hey, Josh, and how are you doing? Hi, I'm, I'm I'm good, and I'm really uh, happy to be be talking to you. It's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm congratulations on your uh, uh, climb up the charts, uh, the podcast charts. I think it's a fantastic feat. So um, I'm not just uh, happy to be here. I think I'm privileged to be talking to you today. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, just to start off with, and I know everyone hates this question, but um, what do you what 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 do you say every time someone says um, who are you or they say please introduce yourself? What are the things you usually say? So what's your origin story in entrepreneurship? So if people are asking me about my work, um, uh, you know, I'll, look, I I say to people I'm I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur that builds businesses. Uh, my work is to build businesses, um, and uh, and I build those businesses. Uh, in technology uh, and and media, um, when I when people kind of dig deeper and they ask you why you do that, I'll say, well, look, uh, my highest value and why I became an entrepreneur and what I um, I do what I do is because uh, I've always been doing things in the pursuit of my own freedom, whether that's financial, geographic, spiritual, intellectual, um, and I believe building businesses and supporting other entrepreneurs in the businesses we build. Uh, helps them achieve uh, uh, their goals of freedom. Um, so, uh, if, if I had to kind of talk about why I do what I do, it's about the pursuit of uh, freedom and prosperity. Uh, what I do is an entrepreneur. I build businesses. I build businesses that are uh, um, are future orientated uh, and technology and innovation driven. Do you think um, enough people are really thinking about the impact that they have on others when they start businesses and decide to be entrepreneurs? Because, you know, a lot of what you're saying is really around impact and um, the sort of compounding value of being impactful to others um, through the ventures that you have yourself. 
Yeah, look, I, I don't know if everyone considers um, the why in a, in a very deep way before starting a business. You start a business for many reasons, right? You've been retrenched, uh, you, you need to make a living, or you have a big idea, or you know, you're, you know, you're focused on a financial goal. So people's, I think people's departure point um, uh, or, or, or have different departure points. But over time, you know, and I think if you've been in the in the space a long time, and and you know, everything takes a lot of energy to do, and you, and when you kind of work out where you're spending energy, why you're spending energy, what are you drawing, what resources you're drawing on uh, for that that energy, you start to navel gaze a little bit and try to consider the why as opposed to the what and the how. Um, so uh, I've I've just you know. Uh, been an entrepreneur for a long time. I started my first business when I was 24. Did I know that it was in the pursuit of freedom? I probably felt it. I probably uh, intuitively knew that, 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 you know, it kind of took me there. But I can only articulate that after many years of, of, of reflecting on my own behavior. And, and, and uh, you know, really actively trying to be aware and I think awareness is a decision, right? You can decide to be aware and decide to develop the tools of awareness um, and reflection in your own life. And uh, um, uh, it's something I try to apply. I try to reflect regularly. Um, and if you reflect, you can sort of, you can get to your why. A why for now, anyways, you know, um, at some point. Can you please tell us sort of a story of your first sort of business um, when you got started and sort of how it felt. Um, I always think that it's amazing when people tell the story of their, you know, their latest success because um, that's yeah. sort of the story that we always hear. But what was that journey like of starting your first business? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, I was 24 turning 25. Uh, I had, um, you know, I, two years or year, two years previously graduated from university thinking I was going to become an investment banker. Um, but I had some vacation work that I was doing for a, a very cool uh, marketing uh, startup in Cape Town. It was a fantastic entrepreneur at the, uh, um, at the helm of it. And uh, he, he kind of convinced me to extend my vacation work into a job. And instead of working for an investment bank, two years later, my vacation work, I was still at my vacation work job and uh, after graduating. And... Um, and uh, and he, he as, you know, being exposed to a highly entrepreneurial business, which is a marketing firm, but had technology clients at the time, clients like Vodacom and et cetera, um, I, I had kind of um, realized one, I had a model, a role model being in a startup environment saying, actually, you can't, you can't start up, you can start up a business, right? So starting a business is, is, is possible and it's within my uh, ability. Um, so um, I had some ideas with a group of friends uh, it was 1999 uh, at the time, and we were meeting every second week for drinks and talking about our, the new kind of tech ideas and how we're selling. Isn't that how for. sort of? Isn't that how all tech startups start? Exactly <laughs> over it's some exactly. drinks. No, we were, you know, and and you know it was a really funny story because it was 1999 and we were basically having drinks every two weeks and then we'd invite two or three new people in and and then every two weeks we'd we'd almost curate the group the discussion group and really it was us a, a few of us having drinks talking about our ideas but we were uh, um, quite quickly we were profiled actually in the financial mail as a as a technology think tank 
and I was doing interviews on radio and in the Financial Mail, and and I still was working in my in my uh, my day to day job, but I was giving all these interview interviews about the possibility of this new world of tech and e-commerce. Um, and so I drank the Kool-Aid, my own Kool-Aid, uh, with a group of friends who were coming to these discussion, uh, these discussions, and we put some money together. And I was the only one who left my job to start this company. And very naively, uh, we 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 thought we were we thought we were venture capitalists, but we had no capital, right? We were, it was very naive. Um, we thought we could we thought we could have an idea and raise capital around our ideas quickly and and scale them. And this was in 1999, right? When when there, there was so, no such thing as a VC market in South Africa. Um, so I just quickly to kind of end up on our origin story because I'd left my job and I was the only one out of the five friends who put some money in to actually have given up their job. In my first month, I realized we needed to generate cash flow and having an idea and hoping to raise money around these ideas uh, uh, was 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 um, very idealistic and there was no cash flow. So. I knew something about marketing. I knew something about technology. And in 1999, this, there was very little in the space between in the convergence of marketing and technology. You know, the big idea that we had was simply you can mass customize communication now through email and and etc. And you and you can use databases to to have targeted targeted communication. Uh, and that was the, the really two big ideas. Uh, and I knew that if I started a company like that as a consulting firm, we could generate cash flow quite quickly because people would pay us for our time and services. So my first business, were, uh, it, well, that was our first business that we launched, Ikenia. And, uh, and you realize that actually, and we thought we could use the cash flows from that to fund our other ideas. But as any entrepreneur realizes, focus is important at the beginning. And uh, I took all our focus. So my other four partners dropped out and Within kind of a few years, I was the only one driving the business and running it, and um, and we built a big we built a business. You know, it became a business that, in the CRM direct marketing space, was a really pioneering became a very pioneering brand and well known agency and consulting firm for over a 15, 16 year period in South Africa, uh, and that became that's the bedrock bedrock of that's all other businesses. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, just um, on some of the things that you mentioned, um, just to start off with. Um, you mentioned around um, the idea of funding. Um, I always think South African entrepreneurs specifically have a misconception around what it takes to raise money, but also what that money is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your experience, you know, from both ends? Um, one being, you know, being an entrepreneur trying to raise money and using it for um, trying to build a runway, um, versus um, being on the other end where you see um, how entrepreneurs try to raise money and sort of their perception around what it takes to do that? Um, yeah, so, you know, I've, fr- frankly, I've, I've raised very little money in my, in my career. So I'm not, um, haven't been an entrepreneur that's been particularly experienced in you know, building a portfolio of investors and growing that out. We, we've done that uh, in, some, in some of our businesses, but, but very few. My, my experience has been, look, you, you, unless you, you're really planning to, to build a very large, scalable business and you need money to fuel that growth for a long time, um, you know, you should really consider whether you need to raise money or whether you rather need to bootstrap, uh, you, you need to raise money beyond your few angels and rather look at bootstrapping, right? You know, um, and I think particularly if your pursuit is freedom, which is mine, um, when you take other people's money, uh, you lose those degrees of freedom very quickly, right? Um, because mm. you, you now have to please investors, and investors drive your business. So, 
I think the the first answer is look, you you want to spend money on 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 um, being able to deliver your first deliver to your first customer. So whatever you spend money on, it's about getting you to the place where you can deliver to deliver to your first customer, your second customer, and you try to get to your first 100 customers, depending on your type of business, right? Your first 10 customers uh, uh, might be enough, and it, or, or a first 100 customers if you're looking at a much larger business. Um, and you, that, that's really where you spend all your money in, right? How do I get my first customer and how do I continue to keep that first customer uh, and the first 10 customers? Um, and then, and then you, then you, then you. Of course, if you have a product, you want to keep putting money into the engineering and the growth of that product. But there's very little else um, where money should be applied. And you know, of course, um, and if it's not, it's not helping you get your first customer and keeping them, then uh, then you've got a question: Is that where you should be spending your money? Yeah. This, um, uh, and then, and then, if you're raising capital. Um, you gotta you gotta understand what's in it for your investors, right? You, the investors are are are, are that's just that they're looking for an investment return, and you gotta make sure that if you're borrow, if you're if you're raising uh, a, a million rand or a hundred thousand rand, you know, and in a in a in a risky investment class, can you return? And you know, if you're raising a hundred thousand rand for ten percent of your business, you're saying your business is worth a million rand. So can you? And if your client wants a Investor wants a 10x return. You've got to within a five-year period. Can you make your business a 10 million rand business within five years, right? Because that's the kind of return they're looking for. Mm. Uh, and you and you and, and I think you you if you if you can answer that, that question for yourself, then you can authentically go and raise capital from 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 in, from investors and supporters of your business. Yeah, um, and then another thing on sort of the journey that you. Um, sort of chatted about earlier uh, around partners as well. Um, I always found that um, whether it's in the research or just um, in personal experience, people that have co-founders often um, have a lot more funding pushed towards them. Um, They usually get more support from incubators. Um, Do you think that you're an advocate for sort of solo founding, Um, especially after sort of your, your, your... core team or the guys that you started with actually dropped off later on? Or do you think it was just about finding the right fit? I, I think it's, it's a, I, I know uh, the reason why uh, incubators and funders like uh, teams with, with three co-founders actually, would be at, like the sweet spot number for them, is, um, is because it's, it, de-risks, it de-risks the investment, right? And, and, you, gotta, you, can, and you can see that there's actually a... Um, uh, a portfolio of skills in there, so I think it's. Uh, I think, I mean, all the data uh, supports this, right? Uh, if you have uh, two or three co-founders, your your chances of success of the business is much greater. And it's it's also simple, you know. If anyone's been through an entrepreneurial experience, being a solo entrepreneur is exhausting, you know. And and there's some days where you know it's it's that are harder than others, and you uh, some days are emotionally much more stressful than others. So it's always good to have more than more than one partner so that someone's picking up the emotional energy as well uh, on different days, you know. Um, the, the, but, you know, the, ha- having said that, right, it's, it's, it's better to have no partners than the wrong partners, um, but it's better to have the right partners than no partners, you know, uh, mm-hmm. if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And finding the right partners is a whole, you know, whole, uh, there's a whole number of uh, uh, I guess 
you know, factors that, that make up the right partner, but at the base level, right, is someone that you want to spend time with, frankly, right? Um, someone that, that uh, and someone that shares the same values uh, as you do. Um, you know, and of course, it, it helps with a portfolio of skills um, uh, that have different skills to you, but, but really it's someone that you want to spend time with and someone that, uh, that has the right values, um, the right values uh, uh, or the same values as you do. And, you know, and, and maybe a, a, another um, useful point, um, I spoke to the founder, uh, actually there are three co-founders of a very big, one of the biggest financial services group in the country now. You'll, you'll know the three founders, the legendary founders now. And uh, I was speaking to one of them and I asked him, you know, what is the success of your partnership? Because, you know, the, I can tell you the success of our partnership and why we stuck around so long together with each other is that our wives liked each other. Right? Mm. <laughs> our, our spouses liked each other, right? And, uh, and, uh, and that kind of kept the unit going, right? So I think if you're doing this uh, in partnership with, with your uh, in business partners, make sure that you, if you've got a romantic or a spouse partner or a wife or a husband or you know, a partner, you, you want to make sure that they also buy into the partners you have in your business too, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you were speaking about it being people that you really want to spend time with. Is that the way you think about hiring as well? I mean, you guys have been around for years and years, and um, I'm sure you've going, gone through processes where you had to hire new people. Um, what's your thinking around hiring? Is it very similar with the partner thing, where you want people that you really want to spend time with, but also are aligned to the sort of vision and, and purpose that you want to drive as well? Yeah, and I think that's right. You know, you, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, there's a lot of science behind hiring the right people. Um, and you can do a lot of great uh, methodolo methodologies you can follow in terms of recruitment uh, and, and onboarding people, and I think those are all good. But at the heart of it is really you, you come to work and you build businesses with people that you like, and, you know, and, and you get the most resonance out of that. So yeah, I think you do want to spend time with, um, you know, you, know, you want to you wanna hire people that you ultimately like. Now, there is a danger, inherent danger in that, right? So that's why you need more robust hiring processes because you, you, tend, to, you tend to hire them people that, that, uh, that, 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 are, that are similar to you. And uh, I think a lack of diversity in building a business is also dangerous and uh, lack of diverse uh, inputs. So um, I think you need to balance, you need to, to hire people that you like, but you also need to make sure that you don't have a blind spot around um, only one type of person and um, because that's also bad mm. for your business and building teams that are robust and resilient. Yeah. Um, your business has been around, say, I think 19 years. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So 19 to 20 years. Um, you know, we're living in a time where businesses don't even last, you know, three to six months or even 12 months. The failure rate among South African businesses is one of the highest in the world and Obviously, that's just also a reflection of a global trend of just entrepreneurship not being the safest of careers. But what does it take to actually build a business that lasts, you know, 19 years? Um, what sort of people does that take? And also, what has it taken from you um, to do that? Uh, look, it, it, it just takes a commitment to, um, to, to kind of... Um, to rolling with the punches, you know, you can always, there's, there, I mean, there's so many times that we've been almost out of business, right? Or even times when we haven't been out of business, but your, your energy for doing what you're doing is at a low point. Um, I think you just got to find ways to, 
to to make sure you, you, you have personal resilience. I think that's a big part of it. And they, you know, uh, and uh, you've got a good group of people around you. Um, and I think people underestimate um, the level of the amount of social capital that you need, right? Um, mm. a, a large part of uh, of of the ability to survive, not only grow, certainly grow. But let's talk about survival, you know, because a uh, big part of of being around for 20 years is not, not just about growth, it's the ability to just keep your doors open, surviving, um, is, is that you, you, you do need networks, actually. You need social capital that can get you that, that client that you desperately need when, when your doors are about to close or to get you that extra client and, or to help you through a particular situation. Um, so I always say that social capital is much more important than capital because social capital will help you get capital. Um, and it's important that you build relationships. It's important that you understand the value of networks. It's important that you understand in order to build relationships and in order to build networks that you also have to have something valuable to offer and you have to be generous in the way you offer that to people. Um, and social, so social capital is, is, is critically important. I think you, you, if, you, if you struggle to build that in your own, uh, in, through your own nature, I think you make sure you have a business partner that is comfortable building social networks for your business and social capital for your business. Um, yeah. And uh, I can't uh, 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 count the number of times that my, my networks have, have helped us not only grow our business, but just survive, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, this has been one of those periods where over the last three months with the lockdown and the impact of COVID where um, the goals of, a lot of startups and entrepreneurs changed from let's grow to as big as possible, changed to let's just survive the week or the day. Um, would you say that um, it's, it's, you know, what, what does it take to actually run a business in a time like this? I mean, um, you know, you've probably been through um, multiple recessions, a number of economic downturns. Um, in periods like this, what do you think entrepreneurs really need to be focused on? Yeah, look, I mean, I think, no, frankly, no one's experienced uh, anything quite like we've gone through, uh, uh, you know, and, and so I think this is all new for, for all of us. But look, I think the, the, the big piece here is personal resilience, right? So, and you figure out your, um, who your inner circle is, people you can, can reach out to, you've got to figure out your own personal, uh, mental and, and emotional resources yourself. So first of all, just just kind of, you know, you've you got to realize you, you're in the arena. Now you're really in the arena uh, and you need to, and you're a, like a gladiator, you've got you've to kind of steel yourself to kind of get through it and fight. So resilience is important and that's an attitude. Um, and then making sure you have the support network around you to, to help you do that. Um, the second part is just going, okay, well, practically, what do we do, right? So you, you definitely want to... Um, um, uh, make cut costs and make decisions that are, are, are what we call reversible decisions, right? So uh, the decisions that, you know, you can, you know, even though I'm a marketer and I say cut marketing spend, that's a decision you can easily reverse again when you want to grow, right? So you, you want to cut mm. costs to things that are reversible. So you want to do that, first of all. You don't want to do things that aren't reversible unless you desperately have to, right? So you don't necessarily want to retrench everyone if you can put them on reduced time. Right, uh, for instance. Yep. Um, 
the second part is that you want to then give yourself some options, right? Well, once you kind of kind of cut your cost, you've made all those reversible decisions. Uh, you can now go, okay, right, okay, let's start looking a little bit ahead. What are the, what are the, the options we have? You might want to run a couple of parallel bits, right? So you might want to pivot and try two or three new product try pivots, or you might want to um, pick two or three different markets. So what are the different, uh, you know, uh, get, start making some bets uh, with options and give yourself some options. And, and anyone, you know, who's read Nassim Taleb or anyone skin in the game, he talks about, making sure you have options that have limited downside but unlimited upside. So, so start giving yourself some options and then you have the routes you, you, you kind of strategies you choose to either try to grow your business uh, or the new avenues you're trying to produce, try to give yourself one or two or three options that you want to take some bets on. And uh, uh, the third one is, is give yourself and think about this ahead of time is what you call signposts, right? So signposts are like if, if, the economy picks up and my business grows and this is the indicator that I'm looking for, then I can put more marketing or I can hire people again. If, the, if something else, this is the signpost is actually none of these bets are working, this is what that signpost looks like, I actually need to cut more and make some maybe uh, decisions that aren't reversible but I need to make those cuts. So you need to be very clear uh, for yourself uh, and the business what are the signposts because, you know, in a time of uncertainty, you, you know, you, you want to be able to to um, use the signpost to, to give you more um, give you more direction. So, you know, for example, is you know if you find a a restaurant and you you've opened up and um, and your business is starting to grow, but suddenly there's there's a we move we move to another phase, or you know you, you want to be able to say actually that that's signpost. If you change phases, that's the signpost. I need to retrench people again. Right or actually, if we've moved, if, if, if we've we've gone into another phase, a relax, more relaxed phase, I can hire again. So whatever you know, that's a very kind of almost obvious signpost. But we need to have those pieces ahead. So as an entrepreneur, I think those are three areas you want to use to navigate uh, and think about your business over this period. What decisions I can, what decisions I can I make that are to cut costs and to survive that are reversible? So the easy decisions I can reverse once we start to grow again. What, uh, and that's not going to destroy the kind of core business. What decisions um, do I need to make that's going to give me options? And what signposts and what indicators I need to be quite clear about and be watching out for and uh, uh, as the business, as the environment needs to change so I can make decisions based on those. Um, so does that, does that answer your question? I think so, um, but more than just answer it, it 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 really helps someone learn a lot more than just what I was asking. I think um, okay. it's really really valuable. Thank you yeah. for that. So, um, so Mishidi, I want to I want to ask you because you've been going through this process, right? What what is your just talk about resilience? You know, uh, how have you kind of reached in, you know, and drawn on personal resources or your or your or so or a network to to keep you resilient during this period? Um, so it's been interesting. Um, firstly, no one's ever asked me a, a question on my podcast, but I really appreciate this. <laughs> um, so it's been interesting. I think um, in that for sort of in the early parts of this lockdown, I didn't really um, understand how big the impact would be, um, especially from a business and work perspective. Um, I started the lockdown um, having you know been employed at a really incredible company, and then. Um, actually go on to be retrenched 
and then mm. um, finding ways to plot a future forward. Um, and it's been interesting how quickly the network started to really help me. Um, it was in, it was it was such a scary moment when I was like, okay, I actually don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. Mm. Um, there was a, a bit of paralysis for a week or so. And then the second week, it was reaching out to the most important people. I, th- I felt really needed to know what was happening. Um, so a lot of mentors and partners just to say, hey, look, um, you know, my situation's changed. Um, I'd really still like to work with you on different things. Um, and then sort of evolving very quickly to take my job and turn it into a consultancy and um, already getting the right clients. Um, and it's been interesting how valuable the network has been because without having those right people that had already been looking at the work that I was doing and people that I'd partnered with before, I don't think I would have survived it. Um, mm. I think without the value of, of networks and people that genuinely see your work on a consistent basis and they see you, um, how you, diligently you want to perform on different things and how passionate you are about certain things, it really changes the, the, the relationship that people have with you. And when they see that a, a situation where you might need help, it's much easier for them to help because, you know, you've offered them value in some way. It's so much easier to just return value um, rather than start from zero and you're like, who are you? You know, um, what are you doing here? It's, it's more of a thing of, hey, I've seen your work. I know who you are. Um, are you looking for new opportunities and how can we help you? And I think that's been really, really valuable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's beautiful to to hear, and I think that 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 experience, your experience that you've just shared, is uh, I'm sure has touched a lot of people who listen to this podcast because uh, it's what they're experiencing, right? And um, I think your story um, will, will will definitely resonate with many people. I hope so. Um, but back to this interview, the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> um, so you're working on a, on a new venture now uh, called AdBot. Um, can you briefly like, uh, describe what it is um, and how it works as well? Right. Yeah, okay. So I, I was a founder, uh, co-founder of probably one of South Africa's largest independent programmatic digital media agencies called Sprout, uh, Sprout, Sprout Performance. And you know it's a, it's a large it's a large business with a large corporate clients, and my experience uh, in building that business and and and, and seeing how that um, you know uh, seeing the, the the economics of that business is that we could never you know take on smaller clients right as a business right for for um, because as soon as we put a, a campaign manager an account manager uh, just behind that account to service that account. It became too expensive for us to take on a small client where the margins weren't enough, um, and certainly became too expensive for the smaller client. So we very rarely take on any clients which are under, frankly, three hundred thousand rand a month, or definitely not under hundred thousand rand a month in media spend, right? And and you know, like any and so I was just seeing that every small and medium-sized business was being completely neglected. Um, they were not, you know, so trying to build a biz, build their businesses online, build their brands online and build uh, um, and driving customers to their online presence, um, which is critically important to businesses and particularly now, it was, um, w- w- while it was important to their businesses, it was very difficult, for, to, diff- difficult um, thing for these, for these business owners 
uh, or smaller businesses uh, to access because either it was too complicated, the tools were complicated for them to do it themselves, or an agency was just simply not willing to take them on or was just too expensive. Um, so well, like any entrepreneur, you know, you have a problem and then that problem becomes an insight and that insight becomes an opportunity. Um, so I said, look, well, how can we solve this problem, right? How can we solve the problem, uh, which is a, really a structural issue, you put a, a human is too expensive to manage most small accounts. Um, how can we solve that problem and, uh, and do it in a way that's really effective for the small business owner and the medium-sized business owner? Um, so the obvious solution, obvious as an idea, very difficult in, in terms of execution, is like how do we automate the human, right? How do we, uh, how, how do we, how do we, how do we um, use machine learning and artificial intelligence to build a bot that could run the campaign management for online advertising? So you don't need a human. You don't have those costs associated with, with paying a, a salary for someone to, to, to drive that. And, and, uh, and how can we do that in a way that provides much more effective results for the small business owner? So over a four-year period, together with a partner in Sweden who had built the largest digital media business in Sweden, we took out his CTO and some engineers and built out a, uh, a, an AI and machine learning software as a service that completely automates uh, and, uh, the, the campaign management for search advertising. So we're talking about online Google search, which is the biggest mm. and most important channel uh, in, our, in, in our experience uh, for small and medium-sized businesses uh, for the online advertising. So AdBot simply yeah. is a bot that manages your ads. It saves an entrepreneur, it saves an independent business owner both time and money. Uh, it is, in our, in our experience, um, you know, a good human campaign manager gets between 1% and 4% click-through rates. Uh, our ad bot is getting between 7 and 12% click-through rates. So simply, you know, when, when a campaign on Google is about optimization, it's about uh, A-B testing, continual optimization, uh, a machine is always going to do it better than a human. Um, so we're seeing that in the results. So ad bot is, yeah. is a very simple way for for businesses to go to adbot.ca, uh, sign up, and within under 10 minutes, uh, they can be advertising online and running their campaigns for their businesses online. Yeah. So in a country where, you know, most small businesses aren't even online and sort of the, the goal posts have shifted to you can't necessarily open your doors like you used to. And now being online has become one of the critical parts of running any business. Does this help someone that's never been online, right, to be able to do this in a much more simpler way? Because I think the one thing I've always had a fear with in terms of Google or search, um, sort of um, using that as a, as, a, as a marketing platform is how complicated it is. Yeah. Um, does this make it way simpler? It absolutely does. AdBot is, is the simple, intuitive way to, to do all your search advertising, do your online advertising. And, there, and that's been our core, um, one of our core drivers in designing the, the platform and the service is that we said, let's, we'll take care of all the complexity. So you're absolutely right, right? Trying to manage Google AdWords yourself is complicated. It takes a long time to set up a Google AdWords account and it takes up a big part of your week trying to manage it on your own, right? Um, and it's complex. So we've taken all that complexity, put it behind the hood, um, and something that you don't have to take care of, we take care of it. 
And you can set up your campaign in, uh, through kind of five easy steps uh, in under 10 minutes. You don't even have to open your AdWords account. Our tool opens it for you. And our bot then runs and optimizes it for you. You can check back on it once a week, once a day, once a month, or never check back on it, and just and, and be able to just see the results uh, kind of be taken care of by, by our bots. So it's made it really, really simple. Um, and, it, and for the first time, I think, it, it allows uh, a, a business owner that's been put off by the complexity to really be able to use a channel that is incredibly powerful, but now it's also easy to use. That's so powerful. How important mm-hmm. is search um, in terms of um, the growth of most small businesses? Because you see a lot of larger businesses using it um, where you go online and you search for a specific product and it's already just pointing you directly to a store um, or a certain um, online platform or anything like that. How important is it for a small business to start um, doing this themselves as well? So uh, it, is, it, is, it is very important, right? So, you know, I mean, in the classic marketing funnel, you, know, you start from awareness all the way down to conversion and purchase. And we, we talk about search being kind of lower down the funnel because people have an intent, right? They're searching for something that they have an intention about, right? You learn it's not something that you've got to create, create, create that awareness and intention. They've already got an intention. They're searching. So the customers that are searching for your product are, are, are probably intend to buy so you need to be in front of them with that, to, to meet that intention. Um, mm. And uh, it's kind of one of the most important uh, uh, ways, sources, um, um, channels to a customer that's ready to buy. So I think it's, it's critically important. And, one of the, and, and you know, all the data shows that it is one of the most important uh, and most effective channels for all businesses, big or small, to, to, um, to get customers customers who have an intention to do something um, because they're searching for that, that keyword. And if you're using Google Ads, your business is going to pop up right at the top of that search environment, uh, of that, 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 that piece, and then um, and it drives the clicks. So um, it's almost one of those hygiene tools that you have to have in your online marketing arsenal. Yeah. Um, how, how, how would you say marketing and advertising and branding has sort of changed or um, evolved since you got started um, as an entrepreneur yourself? Um, look, the basics are always there, right? Brands are stories. Um, uh, and brand embedded in, in, a, in a brand is a value proposition and a story uh, that, that, that has resonance with you. So that, that, that hasn't changed, you know. And, uh, but what has certainly changed are... are um, the way we engage with brands, so not only the channels, but how we, we internalize brands, how we brands uh, have almost, uh, we almost have to be, almost participate um, uh, in the creation of, of the brands and brands evolve through more hu- human participation. So, um, but certainly from a channel perspective, right? I think you, you gotta be where your, 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 your customers are and your consumers are and where they're spending time. So if you're not developing your, um, your brand and articulating your brand in the digital channel, you simply are going to be missing out on where your customers are or certainly where they're going to be. Um, but certainly brands have become a lot more, over time, I would say have become a lot more open source because customers can now uh, have such impact on, on how brands evolve because of social media, because customers now have a voice 
that certainly where it was much more, much more a, a one-way communication story 20 years ago, uh, today it's absolutely not. You, 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 a, a brand very much lives uh, and evolves uh, in a conversation with its customers. Yeah. Um, and over the years, you've sort of played a role um, in different um, organizations that uh, focus on whether it's technology, um, startups, entrepreneurs. Um, what, what has been your sort of um, perspective on where South Africa is in terms of the ecosystem? Um, and where do you think we're going as well? Yeah, look, we've come a long way. You know, I, when I started out in this journey and we started the Cape Innovation and Technology Initiative in 1999 to build out a tech ecosystem in Cape Town and the Banners Barn, which was one of the first incubators, probably the, the, the oldest incubator in Africa now in Cape Town. It was with this idea that we could, you know, in, in this problem statement, basically, we could see the rest of the world, uh, like Silicon Valley, was building out a tech ecosystem and the best skills and the best brains were all leaving and you know I as a young person I had a choice in 1999 you know I was you know in my mid-20s and either if I wanted to be a tech entrepreneur and be part of this um, uh, this new digital economy I could either pack my bags and try to make my fortune in the US and or actually try to contribute and build a tech ecosystem here uh, and I chose to do the latter and you have to be part of the solution I think if uh, if you see a problem I think you need to also try to be part of the solution the and I think, I, and I've seen uh, the the kind of tech ecosystem evolve from pretty much zero to now, where certainly Cape Town, and I think growing now as the rest of the country, we're the number one. Cape Town's the number one tech ecosystem by 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 a whole host of benchmarks in Africa. I think Nigeria is going to give us a go in Lagos, but we certainly Cape Town certainly uh, currently. Just Cape Town employs, this is excluding the multinational brands like the Amazons who employ thousands of people, excluding those multinationals, Cape Town employs more people in tech than both uh, Nairobi and Lagos combined, right? Um, so, so there's definitely a tech ecosystem that has developed, certainly in the, in, mm. in the, in the Cape region. We've come a long way. There's, uh, there's a certainly um, entrepreneurs that have, on the second or third venture, on the second or third success, they're feeding back into their ecosystem, which is a sign of a good ecosystem. You've got new entrepreneurs coming out through. Now, when I first, we were the first, we started the first incubator programs uh, in South Africa or in Africa back back in the early days of the Bandit Barn. Today, there you know you can throw a stone and hit an incubator or a co-working space or you know uh, uh, there are many and that's a good thing. Um, there's so there's a lot of support. Uh, there's a lot more angel capital. There's definitely some early stage seed funding. So. We are not anywhere close to Silicon Valley, and frankly, nowhere is close to Silicon Valley. In fact, nowhere in the U.S. is close to Silicon Valley. So we're not close to, but we, we definitely have come a long way. We have a long way to, to go. I think there's a lot of competition for talent, so we can't rest on our laurels. We've got to continue to grow in the continent and elsewhere. Um, but the, the ability to live, work, and play anywhere now uh, because uh, of the tools that allow us to do this, these the cloud decentralized technology platforms uh, means that you can build a tech community and tech ecosystem anywhere. Um, so I think our future is bright, but uh, but like anything, it takes energy and work to continue to grow. It, it's not a one way ticket where you continue to grow. Uh, you can also you can also fall backwards. So I think it's uh, important that all of us that are in the system to give back and to grow that system and to try to, to, to because. 
Um, if the system grows and the ecosystem grows, we also grow and we'll benefit. Mm, absolutely. Do you have anything to say to sort of entrepreneurs that are starting out, you know, um, on this journey, they've found a problem that they're really passionate about and they think they can build a solution for that problem. Um, and maybe they feeling the way you were feeling back in 99 and you wanted to start this thing and you felt passionate about it. Mm. Um, what would you say to that person now with the experience that you have um, and the journey that you've had? Sure, yeah. Um, well, the, fir- the first thing is like just start, right? There's no good time to start. There's no bad time to start. You, there's only, the only time is now. Um, I, I, like I said earlier, we talked about it earlier, if you, it's, it's better to have um, uh, um, some good partners to do things with. Obviously, uh, it's, it's better to do something on your own if you don't have, then have a bad partner, but it is better to have some good partners. So to try to build a, your, your a tribe around you that can support you, whether they're your partners or a small group of people that can support you, uh, either as a social network to do that. So I think make sure you have some social capital and build some people around you that you can lean on as you set out on this journey and definitely bring your significant others into the journey because they're going to be a big part of your support network. And then the next piece is that I think the most important is, uh, is, is get your first customer, right? You know, I started a business in the back of like having a PowerPoint presentation, getting my customer because I sold them on an idea and now having to deliver, right? So you want to get to your first invoice as soon as possible. So start rather have an MVP than have the perfect product. Uh, rather get people who buy into your idea and um, and uh, you know, and and get you to build a product for them on the back of it and pay you to do that. So the question, the, the, I guess the, the challenge is, how do you get to your first invoice as, as soon as possible? Uh, and focus on that, focus all your attention and energy on getting to your first invoice. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Um, can you please just give people the sort of address to get to, to reach AdBot um, yeah, as a tool, go, I think to it's www. really, really powerful. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for shooting that. So go to www.adbot.co.za. So that's adbot.co.za. And yeah, get, if, you got your, if you're building an online presence, online business, um, you'll make sure that you're using AdBot to, to drive your search advertising and, and get started, you know. Cool. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time um, as well as your energy and the really amazing things that you've shared. I think a lot of people will learn a lot from this podcast and really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Joshin. Thank you so much, Mashuda, and keep up uh, the, the good work. I, mean, I think uh, you're helping a lot of people during this time, so um, yeah, keep at it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Take care. So as discussed on the podcast, um, AdBot really helps entrepreneurs and small businesses save time and money um, by helping you automate um, a really, really critical part of your um, business, um, which is really using Google um, to help people find your business, your service, your product. um, And they're really offering some really incredible deals. So I'm going to add a a link to the description um, of the actual podcast so you can learn more about the work that they're doing um, and also how you can use it to start growing your business and start getting um, your services and your products in front of more people. Um, I think it's super valuable and it will be really, really interesting to hear more um, feedback from people that have used it 
um, I think it's really, really valuable um, that you start exploring more ways to get your business in front of people. And this is just one of them. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, hopefully putting out a new one tomorrow. Um, we're really trying to get way more consistent with this um, and really achieve much higher goals. Um, I think the being on the chart is cool, but we can do so much more in terms of impact if we reach more people with the information, the resources and the value that we're trying to create. Thank you so much for listening.